You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Kinesic. Welcome to episode 150. That's like and a milestone. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess they're all is. milestones. Yeah. Every, we were waiting on 200 is the, the next. Or I guess is it 250? I'm looking is, forward to yeah. 250. I, I actually was was mapping it out. 250 should happen right around the five-year anniversary. Of mm-hmm. it. Like it should like coincide almost perfectly. That's a long time from now. That's that's a, that's a big commitment, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh well. But we have a really interesting guest today. That's a little different from our our normal um, offerings, and uh, and that's a friend of mine, Laura DePredo, uh of Final Touch Plantscaping, and that's because it's Horticultural Therapy Week, and uh, I'm sure many people don't know what horticultural therapy is. And uh, and even do you I, do you know? I kind of know, but friend, I, I wanted to, I don't I wanted know. to throw it to you because you've been complaining about like neck pains and and grogginess and all this stuff, and I'm wondering if maybe Laura can just like help you and say go find this plant in the woods and <laughs> it'll cure everything. You know, I, I would love that actually, but no, I think I have an idea of what it is, but I don't. Or I, I think I have an idea of the concept of what it is, but I don't officially know what it is. So I'm looking forward to learning more. This is this is a good learning experience for me as well. And I think sometimes some of our best episodes are when you and I yeah. are, are learning as much as our listeners. So Because yeah. then we start acting like little kids. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so Laura, why don't you introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about what horticultural therapy is. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Pinelands Nursery, for having me. This is what a wonderful opportunity to have this conversation and and uh, share uh, what horticultural therapy is, what it's about, who it serves, where it takes place. So uh, my company is Final Touch Plantscaping. I'm based out of Somerset County, uh, New Jersey. And um, I started the company in 2008, and I specialize in uh, customizing activities and programs writing them, facilitating them at host sites throughout New Jersey um, and connecting people to plants um, during during their day. And so one thing I want to put out there right up front, if I can, because um, it's really important. We all know what gardening is and we're going to get into that. But as part of my services, you know, horticulture as therapy, the goal is not the success of the plant, although in a vocational program, it would be. The goal is about the process of that connection for a person or for a group and what that process affords that individual as it's happening in real time. And so I provide the services um, that make this possible um, for uh, uh, quite a variety of populations. And um we do it at their location. So I'm always a guest in a multitude of settings, anywhere from adult day programs to long-term care, memory care, assisted living, post-acute care, hospitals for patients, as well as for the medical staff, arboretums around New Jersey, as well as in Pennsylvania. 
And so, um, and schools. Um, so it's really important for people to understand that anyone can benefit from this process of connecting and the service that I provide as well as horticultural therapists um, around the country. And I also uh, design um, sensory gardens, mainly consisting of native plants. And that material is used in my programs as well throughout the last 10 years and growing. And and so uh, my company, I say, is the little train that could because um, I get to do a lot of incredible things um, for thousands of people across the United States. And I'm also a columnist and a an author. Uh, I've been published and co-authored fact sheet with colleagues at Rutgers University about horticultural therapy, uh, which is easy enough for one to look up online. Uh, it's called Enabling Gardens, the practical side of horticultural therapy. And hey, guys, let's face it. Really, throughout the history of humankind, gardens have always been a part of our very existence. And many cultures historically have hold the health belief and continue to that life began in a garden. And so we're going to talk about what isn't a mystery as we go forward in this podcast today. Awesome. So, like, there's... I. As, as you were talking, I, I wrote some notes because I want to circle back to a couple things. But there's many kinds of therapy available to people for, for many different reasons, and, and therapy can benefit uh, everyone in, in different ways in every aspect of their life. And there's there's different aspects or routes to go. Why Why plants? How did this come about, and how do plants factor into this? Uh, I love that question. So I'm going to answer it with a two-pronged approach because the first is um, what I will, I'm going to take us back into really ancient, the ancient world and ancient Egypt. And so the why plants part is, you know, historically in the ancient world, the, um, the first 100 recipes that were used in the world were uh, and still exist in a temple called Edfu Temple, E-D-F-U. Edfu Temple has these 100 recipes, the first ones of the world, still intact in hieroglyphs. And it is the origin of pharmacy, medicine, aromatherapy, and horticulture as therapy. I've been there, and it, it's surreal. And so I have to take you back in time to to the ancient world where that goes and the origin of the use of plants um, during that time. And they were used for everything. They were used for cosmetics, for household cleaning, for killing serpents. I mean, who do, who do we have to worry about that today? <laughs> we certainly don't. In ancient rituals, in the mummification process, you know, they found uh, some amazing plant material in the tomb of King Tut, including lavender, and still intact today. And that's astounding. The why plants, you know, when we talk about where did paper originally come from, right? It came from a plant, and that plant was actually used for ace bandages of the day for wound care. So so that's my first pronged approach. Um, well, let me take you now to, to the mid-1950s, 60s. 
So there were two individuals out of the University of Michigan, Rachel and Stephen Kaplan, and they're environmental researchers and professors there. And their research found something called attention restoration theory, that there's a calming effect that occurs on an individual in the presence of a plant. And that's a living thing, isn't it? And they were a, that that living thing is why plants are so important to us. So ancient history and the Kaplan's research about the calming and the restorative effect that having a plant in front of you has on an individual. And that's astounding because it validates and removes the mystery of gardening is my therapy, my plant therapy. You know, we say those things, right? But there's true depth and meaning by way of research and not just the Kaplan's, but I want to cite them because um, they have able they've been able to prove that as well as Dr. Roger Ulrich out of Sweden. And he is a world renowned researcher on the importance and the the evidence based design of healthcare gardens and improving patients recovery. He was the first to determine that a view from a window for patients recovering from gallbladder surgery recovered much quicker with a view of nature out their window than those who didn't. And so I must cite these individuals because they are cited over and over again and their work is well known. You can Google both of them and and certainly Ed Fu Temple and the origin of of literally pharmacy, medicine, aromatherapy, um, and and how it's transformed and what what it is today. Um, and not to mention the following, I think you guys could certainly agree with this. Isn't there a universal appeal of plants? Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, there just is, right? <clears throat> and that's uh, a we look at... Um, regardless, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you look at uh, there's E.O. Wilson and his whole concept of... of biophilia and then biophilic design and incorporating plants oh, yeah. into design. I look at, I think it's a, there's a, an East Asian airport where the entire thing is just designed as a jungle. And I can't remember what city it is, but, um, well, and and you, yeah. And you find that all over now, yeah. you find that in corporations, you mm-hmm. find that in, like you said, in airports and the most, un, almost the most unexpected places, don't you? Um, and and, and even if you break it down into camps like native plant enthusiasts or just gar- traditional garden enthusiasts, it all is because of that love or connection with plants regardless of whether they're native or not. Like obviously we're a native plant podcast. We love talking about native plants, but you can't deny the love of gardening or plants, whether it's agriculture. It, so many things, there's, there's such a connection with people. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the camp, yes, and that's undeniable. That's true. And well, it, and you know what? Look, look all around you. I say, look at the clothing you're wearing, the the, the shampoo you use, the makeup. Well, I, well and you guys, not, not me. I see a little foundation over there. That's just, <laughs> I see a little touch up over there on you, Fran. You're looking mighty pretty this morning. Uh, I, I I did moisturize with hemp's lotion this morning. If that counts, there you go. But you know that universal appeal of plants. You know, I say. We respond to the seasonal rhythms and the seasonal changes, don't we? 
And and right now, gosh, we just kicked off the first day of spring yesterday in the vernal equinox. Hallelujah, I say. <laughs> I did my happy spring dance, right? Even though there was no rain, it was certainly a happy one. And and those seasonal rhythms that we respond to, seasonal changes, well, not only do we respond to them, but plants respond to us as we're as we're picking them, as we're sowing them, planting them, nurturing them. And and so, you know, we nurture plants, plants also nurture us. And that is an innate fact. Um, you know, uh, quite a few years back, and, and it was one of the most fascinating talks I had ever heard live. I was at a conference of the American Horticultural Therapy Association, and George Ball was the keynote speaker. Oh, my God, my knees buckled. I mean, it was just the most exciting thing to be even be in the room with him. And he talked about, um, you know, going forward, he, he, he is working on research about finding that very genetic that's in us that that links us to plants and to nature. So so here as we go forward and we've already started talking about some research, well, George Ball, his his life mission, as part of it, is to find that gen, that that gene that that we have in us that that creates this incredible link that's just so natural to us, having nothing to do with our the success in our gardens. Right? I mean, um, that's another subject for another podcast. <laughs> no, but it's it's almost innate in a way that you would care for a child. You know, it's there's a connection yes. there or how you would care for wildlife. There's and some people's connection is stronger than others, but there's a connection there that it's part of us and, and you want to foster it. And it's it, it's well, yes, it, it's know, undeniable. Of, it is undeniable. And, you know, something that's really cool um, and is part of I guess I'll call it a continued answer to your question. Like, what is it about plants? Right. And horticultural therapy. Well, you know. There is there is a um, a research term called far away, literally far away. So research has shown that when you are working with something living, so in let's say in you know animal therapy, plant right animal therapy, plant therapy, or horticultural therapy, that that living thing is the only are the only things that allow for an outcome of achieving far away, far away where you're in that moment in time working with whatever you're working with, whether it's a seed or you're out in your garden, it doesn't matter. But you're there in the moment and you are in your place of well-being in that moment. And there's no distraction. You experience You've, you have forgotten about your circumstances for the moment and you're solely, solely concentrated on what you're working with. And so it is called Far Away. And I write about it. I've written about it many times in, in articles. And that, too, is a, a crazy thing because think about it. How many times have you guys now you run an incredible, incredible business? I'm in awe of Pinelands Nursery. I have been for many years and your commitment, and I just share your passion with you. And and so when, you know, when in your day or in a month, whatever, when it's just you and what you're working with, have you ever experienced where you're just there in the moment? Now, you ought to run a business. There's a lot of stress, right, that goes with that. But but has that ever happened to you? It, it oh, is. Yeah. Do you mind if I – Yeah, go I ahead. Go, you, you know, I, I spend most of my day 
in an office behind a computer or on the phone, and it's easy to forget that you're dealing with plants because there, there's many days where you're not – you're talking about them, and it may not even be in a fashion that you can get excited about. It's it's just mm. yes we have them this is how many we have this is what we're projecting you're you're they're, you're talking about them as objects so it's it's very easy to get bogged down in the everyday business aspect of it and <clears throat> almost like you're just dealing in widgets and you forget mm. that you're dealing with these living beautiful things that are going to go out into the world and make a difference and then especially coming out of the winter when everything's dormant there's a time yeah. in February when we start seeding and you can walk into a greenhouse and you see plants and you see life mm-hmm. and you know what they're going to be and it's you, – you just kind of stop for a second because it's, it's a little unnatural because it's a time of the year that you shouldn't see it. But it smells like spring mm. and it just gives you a feeling where – an excitement like it's starting. It's happening yeah. and yeah. it's it's easier in the summer to, to just say, hey, I'm going to take 10 minutes today. I'm going to walk the nursery. I'm going to look at things and see how they are and, and get immersed in it and get excited about it. And that's real easy when you see a crop to say, wow, look at this. This is this is amazing or, 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 or just think about some of those things. But it's such a small part of the day that when it happens, it's it's easy to get lost in that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Tom. I know. I, I was going to explain uh, uh, or share a similar experience. And it's just uh, a lot of times it's after hours because I live here. Um, I'll go and just like step into one of the greenhouses and you just see all the little seedlings starting to come up. And it's like, yeah, there's the smell, there's the, the lighting. It's just, and there's just like almost instant calm. Like a little bit of a smile. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's it's interesting. Sometimes it always, it's the smell. Yeah. You know, you walk into the house and you can yeah. smell it. And then there's plenty of times I walk in the greenhouses and I'm like, oh crap. It's a headache, too. But that's the business. No, it's easy to get marred. It's like, oh, did the water run in here? You know, or something like, or, or oh, the rabbits got in the house last night and ate half the house. You know, the temperature's off, you know, and then it's not just one thing, it's like 10 things that, require your urgent time and attention no, and but so it's, that experience and it's the same thing like and and tom can with a with a young child at home mm-hmm. like it's easy to get marred into dirty diapers or a, an ear infection mm-hmm. and non-sleep and all these things that sure. that are just everyday things that you deal with but then you know you get first words you get things yeah. like, and you get lost in the moment and it's and then an added thing of that um and you kind of mentioned it and it was, it was something you said about uh how people can heal faster just having a view of plants and outside not even having being next to plants right. but um one of the i was just on my phone the other day and i was um looking through old videos and i have a video from it was like an on this day video that came up and uh it was of my son so when he would have been one and three quarters not two and three quarters running through a greenhouse full of plants and even just seeing that is like at the moment when I recorded it, I was like, "Oh, is he going to trip? Is he going to fall?" Like I'm a little nervous. Right. He's, All the natural things. Like, that you I'm would, trying to take this video. <laughs> I'm busy, and um, but seeing it now is like it's just like a really calming, like cool thing. Just seeing the video, not even living it uh, like I did in the moment. That is so, so yeah. cool, and it's so interesting to hear your your responses to this, yeah. and they're unique to you, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Fran, right? You can't you can't respond the way Tom is. Tom can't respond to to the way you do, and that's really important because we um, in horticulture therapy, 
we never want to interrupt that process by interjecting how someone should respond and how someone should express um, or the pace at which that person is working. Now, of course, in a vocational setting, the pace kind of does matter um, because there's timelines and deadlines. But, um, you know, we're talking about social horticulture or therapeutic horticulture um, and and the vocational horticultural therapy programs. They have very different um, treatment teams. I'm part of many different treatment teams. They're not all the same, depending on where the program is. Um, and as well, um, the the goals of what I you know we're doing together as a team with either the individual or the group. Um, pretty much, I'm working with all groups. I don't have individuals currently as I once did. That'll happen again. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's the the custom piece here on how that program is carried out um, that ensures that every participant experiences success on some level and a big part of that is never intruding upon what they're doing um of course like i said it guiding them um that's different you're guiding them um you know i use an example and it's such a successful uh tool if you will in in quite a few of my programs regardless of the population being served there, there's typically someone who, well, A, they have medical equipment attached to them of various types. Um, two, there may be someone who is losing their eyesight or has lost their eyesight. And so the manner in which I guide them is crucial. Now, folks at the table don't know that I'm doing these things. But I have an array of individuals with different needs at the same table. And so everything I do has to set them up for success from the from the start, from the minute we start the program. Let's just say that we're going to uh, plant seeds today in our program. So I bring some native seeds and it's all about choice too, giving them choices. Oftentimes in all the, in the settings where these individuals are, um, they don't have many choices. So in horticultural therapy, they're allowed to have choices. So in this case, they're choosing, they're looking at seed packets. Oh my God, I love this echidnesia. I have, I must, I used to plant this when I was a little kid. I used to, you know, pull the bees off and, you know, I didn't like bees or, or I used to just be fascinated by the bees and the butterflies. But anyway, it, it elicits incredible responses from the second they see the seed packets. And they're choosing them and they're responding. And now I'm guiding them to, okay, now they're going to learn about, you know, what's on the seed packet, reading the labels, and then they're going to plant their seeds and the method and how they plant the seeds and the order of the soil. We talk about soil mediums, not too too much though. I don't want to overwhelm them with too much of the science during these programs, because these programs are not science-based. They are about the person first, and the science gets folded into it um, to any level of discussion and degree, um, depending on who that population is. And so so from start to finish, they are, they are responding. They are expressing. They're curious. They're going back in time to memories. 
um, and and sharing social experiences in their life that maybe they no longer have. So when I say social social horticulture therapy. It's social about connecting to, let's say, the seed packet or the flower or the plant plug, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, that is a social program. And then connecting them to others around the table. So there's the outward social um, aspects of the program where they're socializing with others. Um, And so it's it's an absolutely fascinating process. process to be part of and to literally facilitate with these teams from start to finish. I I, I want to go into the benefits of this, but before I do, I just want to clarify for our listeners. And I know we're speaking about this organically, that that these connections are something that we all have. But I do want to point out, even though we're discussing that, Laura is a trained professional. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And this it, it even though the the concept of horticultural therapy dates back hundreds and thousands of years, it has evolved into a modern day practice. So yes. um, I, I just want to point that out. We're, don't, I don't want our listeners to confuse connection with process. Mm-hmm. Um, because- Thank you for that, Fran. And 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 I really appreciate that because I, I it was my goal that we, we talk about that today within this podcast is very, very important. So a um, couple of things. So, so I am um, a professionally credentialed horticulture therapist. So, and that that is achieved through the American Horticulture Therapy Association, also known as the AHTA. You can go on AHTA.org and you can see what is required in the credentialing process to become an HTR, Horticultural Therapist Registered. And um, so that is separate from both the degree and the horticultural therapy certificate programs that are offered both in this country, and I'll mention the, the universities in a second, as well as in other countries. So um, here in the United States, and specifically, um, we have Rutgers University, Delaware Valley University, University of Florida, University of, I don't let me miss, um, Kansas State University, I don't want to say that in the wrong order, and Michigan State University, okay? So so these are both, um, they offer either or both certificate horticultural therapy, uh, at a minimum two-year certificate programs, and or degreed programs. So Michigan State University was the first to have a master's in horticultural therapy program. And that is a very important piece of information as far as education goes, qualifications go, um, and credentials go. I also want to point out as part of that, that the American Horticultural Therapy Association, which is a 501c3, they um, they have a uh, what they call an accreditation. So they have a pretty intense accreditation program. I believe it happens every five years. So these very colleges and universities that I've mentioned have to be re-credentialed, re-accredited, mm-hmm. not re-credentialed, re-accredited. That's different from credentialing. And that is extremely important because they go through a very rigorous uh, process to achieve that and to keep it. Awesome. I appreciate Thank you so much for clarifying that. I just wanted to make sure we you know, we were clear with that moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yes, I'm, I'm, thank I'm, you. I, I do want to talk about the benefits of horticultural therapy. One of the things that you said earlier that stood out to me was memory care. 
Um, yes. And I just wanted to to discuss some of the benefits that people are are hoping to to achieve from this. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with something that's that uh, is by way of benefit um, that is continues to I continue to be in awe of and it happens a lot so um, in with the individuals I work with on the spectrum of dementia with and without medical complications in both day programs and then stay programs where they are staying in memory care um, these individuals um, may be shut down they have no communication. They do not communicate. Many of them are highly functional, but they don't communicate. And many have no cognitive abilities. Um, and they are nonverbal. You have a mix. You have a mix in the, within this population of ability. And, and when I'm in a program and there's an individual or individuals who are not communicating and not participating in any way, prior to my arrival, suddenly are singing and they are recalling and suddenly they are somehow telling a story or they're making the sound of a bee or they're motioning like a butterfly would fly so they may not be speaking because their recall, their memory in the files of their mind upon seeing or smelling or feeling that plant material does this to them. And so I have to share this because it is the most incredible thing to witness on a weekly basis with these pop with this population. And I might add, we're talking ages 40 and old and up. So we're not talking seniors um, and, and the aged population. We're talking 40 and older so um at up to 106 i might add so that spectrum is age 40 to 106 in that in that population and who i work with and um and that that is a benefit that i hope paints a beautiful beautiful picture of the impact that horticulture therapy does deliver continuously and consistently it also affords the following reduced stress people have stress that is a fact right no matter who you are and the spectrum of that of course varies reduced blood pressure increased appetite how many people stop eating or have, there's no reason for them they lose hope and as part of that they're they're withdrawn in every aspect whether they're in a wheelchair or they're in their beds or they're moving around and very physically able, but they're nonverbal. And so um, as well as socialization, as I shared earlier, that socialization is both with the plant material as well as with another human being, the ability to to, to express memory or to just express or to come alive and to be connected once again. I had a client for six straight years. She was an in-home client and her name was Lorraine and you can read about Lorraine Galbraith and her story, it's, it's extraordinary. So anyway, 
Lorraine, part of my treatment team with her, she was isolated, senior in Aldwick, New Jersey. She had no family and she was in a wheelchair. And so her only connection was to the care, the living caregiver. And that was it. And then I came along, I was hired to, to work with her and to try to elicit a response from her. I brought a box and in that box I had a Shasta Daisy, I had basil, I had um, a uh, a Rubecchia, and I had a rose. Now she hadn't spoken in months, just so you know. No, No verbal communications with the caregiver or with the visiting nurse or with her family doctor who was still making house visits and continued to do so during the six years I worked with her. Do you know... First words Lorraine spoke were, let me have that rose. Do you know that's my favorite? Can you imagine that? Wow. After many, many months. And so from that point on, I, you believe it or not, I ended up working with her. It was so incredible, her responses every time I came. And from that first visit, that first day, to try to elicit any response from her, I ended up going there three to five times a week for the next six years. Lorraine put on weight. She was communicative. She took great interest again in some of her hobbies, being photography, gardening, cooking, and just putzing, if you will, meaning, you know, if you're sitting at a table with her and she was like an antique collector as well as a junk collector. So, um, she would she would share her antiques and her junk with me um, at the table at this little garden gardening table we had set up in her parlor and I was only allowed to call it the parlor, but I want you to know that her case inspired I don't even know how many people and home care agencies not just in the garden state but around the country because of the result that and the opportunity she was given to connect with plants through horticulture therapy. I, I mean, that's so heartwarming and life-changing. Um, yes. It, it's hard not to, to feel good or passionate about that. Um, and this prolonged her life. This literally prolonged Lorraine's life um, for uh, for six more years, wow, which well. is incredible, absolutely incredible. And her, her, her I was part of a medical team and um, her family doctor, um, repeatedly reported the physiological improvements to Lorraine in this six-year process of working with her. And, you, you know, obviously that's life-changing. But being a part of this, how has horticultural therapy changed your life or your views since you've been a part of it? Wow. Um let me start with probably what's going to be the most shocking answer. Okay. Um, so listeners get ready. Um, so I, um, I was uh, studying at Rutgers university as a continuing education student in my forties, already had my bachelor of science degree. I was in my last semester and on my first day of the last semester, I, I learned the day before I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I had to tell my professor at Rutgers that I can't do this last semester and I don't know 
when I'll be able to, there's the dog, when I will be able to uh, complete the last semester to achieve my horticultural therapy certificate. Um, and um, I cried. Um, how do you not cry? And um, he said, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. We're going to somehow make this possible. I said, um, it's hard for me to think about that right now because I was going to, I was actually going to have the uh, brain tumor operation, a craniotomy, a full craniotomy the following week at Johns Hopkins Medical Center. And um, it was a 13 hour operation um, whereby they removed this walnut sized tumor from uh, under my skull in my frontal lobe. And I was very, very fortunate. My case was absolutely miraculous to say the least for so many reasons, but that was life altering because I really didn't know what the future held for me. And I was in my, my late forties. Um, and I was so determined. I just started my company. I was determined to get my horticultural therapy certificate so that I could achieve becoming a registered horticultural therapist, which by the way, took me another five years after that um, with the American Horticultural Therapy Association. And so as part of my recovery, two amazing things happened. One, I figured out how I was going to recover here at home when I was finally home. And I was going to find ways to plant seeds, to weed, to look at my garden and figure out what's coming out and what I could put in. And as part of that, it meant I had to find adjustable tools, something I could hold that wasn't heavy. Um, my balance was quite off for a year. Um, I did have traumatic brain injury, TBI. Um, I no longer do today, but I do continue and will for however long the surgeon doesn't know what is like. I have an on switch and an off switch, meaning when I'm off, my brain is done. And you'll see that in me. Yeah, I'm sure we hang out long enough. You'll, you'll just know I'm going off. I'm just off. And that's just part of the brain fatigue that, that still is with me. But I learned how to um, find my way around my own garden during an entire year, um, adjusting, finding a flower bed, you know, creating flower beds and accessible spaces from the second I walked out of my back kitchen door um, so that I could be successful, uh, whether it was for a minute or two minutes. And each time I went out there, guys, I there were times I fell over. There were times I'd sit on a wall and I would just, okay, I can do this, but all right, maybe it's just going to take me a little longer today because I'm dealing with recovery from a, from a brain tumor. And I gave myself that time, meaning however long it takes. So, so that particular first season um, back in 2011, okay, so my garden wasn't that pretty, but I was recovering and I found a way to connect to my garden, to the outside world. Um, I also started writing um, and became a columnist um, to write about the subject of horticultural therapy as part of, as part of my, my personal recovery and journey. And, and then the bigger picture is over the next eight years, um, beginning with 2011, I started creating sensory gardens around the rear of my property, the small one acre. My house sits in the middle. 
backyard is fenced in. And that was when I became what I would call, um, I got the bug, you know, that seed was planted um, about learning how meaningful seeds are because I couldn't hold plants. I couldn't drive to go out to the nurseries the way I was prior to having um, the, you know, the brain tumor and the surgery and, and being in the recovery. And so um, the only thing I could hold were seeds and very light tools. Um, and so I, that's when I became, uh, you know, um, inspired by, by seeds and, and all the wonders and the energy that they held. Um, and I am obsessed with native seeds They're always they're always here. They, I'm having coffee with them in the morning, talking about <laughs> native um, and I'm grateful for that. So, so uh, I I know that's probably a longer answer than than anyone would have expected, but but it truly changed my life and my mission. Laura, you are such an inspiration. I want to thank you for sharing that with us. I I didn't know that, and I wasn't expecting that, and and I want to thank you for for sharing that with our listeners. Um, it made me really wonder what that happened. You were already on your path to horticultural yeah. therapy. It was almost as if something had interjected to make sure you had the tools to deal with what yeah. was coming your way. That is so true. And, you know, I'll tell you what, um, you know, if I look at, let's say, um, you know, the, my journey um, before my path, um but I was on a path, you know, but I was doing something differently. You know, I was in the field. Um, but this whole concept of horticultural therapy um, really became real and personal when the brain tumor journey began. And and you're, and it was like I was just going to be uh, hurled into, into a direction that was meant to be. I know it probably sounds a little strange, doesn't it? No, um, I, I don't think so at all. I, I don't. I think I don't know. I'm I'm a true believer in in paths being laid out for you. Um, yeah. And it's it kind of feels as though like like everything clicked into place for a reason. And, and I try not to question those reasons, but just roll with it. And it 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 just. I don't know. It's almost like goosebumps that you were already on this path and being given tools to help you for your next. And yeah, and that continues to happen. I'm just in awe um, and and continuously reminded um, of of those those twists and those turns that are just meant to be um, that are what I'll say out of my control as I'm on this path. Um, it's amazing to me that, um, you know, I've been able and continue to work with um, populations, medical staff in big hospitals um, as programs, as well as special events. Um, and, you know, these are medical teams where OR teams to de-stress them before they go into the OR or when they come out to give them a brain break from their day. Um mental health, behavioral health teams, oncology teams, cancer treatment teams. I said oncology, but cancer treatment has so many 
so many directions by way of mm. the staff and what they need to do as well as the patients on their journey. Um, gastroenterology, pulmonology, brain tumor, um, you know, neuro- neuroscience. And I've walked these halls in so many times, not necessarily at those hospitals for my medical circumstances, but, you know, in my, my journey, I want everybody to know I had 41 operations. The brain tumor was just one of them. And so I've been in all those departments. I have been connected to so many of this, these medical personnel who devote their lives every day and show up at their jobs to help people, including me. And I consider what I do as a horticultural therapist as a mission, as well as a, an incredible service, as a give back, um, because its benefits are just endless. And I get to to facilitate it every day, witness it every day with people who are very able-bodied. Um, and, and But we're all on that spectrum, aren't we, of, of the human circumstance. Um, and it's a matter of degree. It's just a fact. And, and it's at intervals. So what's happening to me and the degree in which it's happening, what that looks like, well, it's going to be different for you guys, right? It's going to be different for our listeners. And so I'm just coming in, and, and horticultural therapists around the country are just coming in and meeting the patient or meeting the client or client groups wherever they are at and, and running with them as facilitators to bring these benefits that horticultural therapy provides. Um, I work with the autism population as well. I do not want to leave them out of this conversation, Um, beginning with the age of six, um, as well as over 21. Um, And when we get to the over 21, we're talking about vocational horticultural therapy, introducing them to skills. Um, to learn something, to uh, be able to achieve um, some skill sets so that perhaps they can actually, uh, they can work a job um, and be part of a a job team in their their work um, environment. Um, So, and veterans as well. Uh, I have many veterans in my programs. I do not want to leave them out. Um, you know, during World War II, you know, the, the nurses who were in the hospitals treating our wounded um, soldiers, they, they ensured that flowers were at their beds. And, and, and so I make sure that flowers and plants are present for so many people because they even just seeing them. Um, and so when I talk to you guys about seeds, and I know you, you provide so many incredible uh, native seeds there, and how critical those seeds are to the hope and the opportunity that those seeds bring in just the form of a packet that I can deliver on my mobile cart that goes through hallways of so many facilities and people just saying, can I have that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love, I love Rebecca. Oh, my God. I love parsley. Oh, my God. I love daisies. I, you know, whatever it is. And and then they stop me. I mean, I'm, I'm accosted. But it's the most incredible experience <laughs> on, a, on a daily basis 
to be accosted in this way. Yeah. I mean, we, we never forget seed is the pillar for everything that we do. It mm-hmm. all yeah. starts with the seed for us. And it, it makes you, you know, that and these stories make you appreciate life and celebrate life and, and the results and, and celebrate those results. And what better way? We have a whole week of horticultural therapy week to yeah. celebrate oh, this. Yeah. So if we could just talk, I know we talked about horticultural therapy, but what is horticultural therapy week and how should we go about celebrate being a part of that celebration? So um, horticultural therapy week was accomplished by the American horticultural therapy association back in 2006 solely for the year 2006 with Congress. So um, Congressman Price out of North Carolina um, put together um, a an incredible resolution, resolution number 92 for Horticultural Therapy Week for the nation for 2006. And so um, that was the start, and it was to coincide with the beginning of spring, the first day of spring and the vernal equinox. Well, fast forward in time. So when I was, uh, um, after I graduated from Rutgers University, I did get my certificate and I did get my professionally registered, professional registration, but I went on to do many other things, including I took that incredible document, resolution number 92, and I redrafted it um, to make it applicable to New Jersey. And I worked with our um assemblymen and our senators over two legislative sessions back and forth to Trent, testifying before committees um, and you're, got it done. You're saying this so with a Jersey. smile, but th- I know it wasn't <laughs> like, that's a lot yeah, of hard that's work. A lot that's work. a lot, that's a, a lot of policy and a lot of meeting. And, and for you to, to yeah. say it with a mm-hmm. smile, that's, that, that says well, I'm something. I'm smiling now because it's done. And, <laughs> and I do have to point out that this was bipartisan. When I mm-hmm. tell you truly bipartisan, every step of the way, um, that doesn't mean it was seamless every step mm-hmm. of the way. And it was a tremendous amount of um, advocacy and um, lobbying on my part. I'm not a lobbyist. I guess maybe someday I will be. Who knows? But um, but with that, um, in May of 2015, I got a text from somebody on Governor Christie's cabinet to say, Christie just signed Horticultural Therapy Week, New Jersey. Wow. And so New Jersey has... SJR 12, um, bipartisan, and it is memorialized. It is not just for, it was not just for 2015, but forever. And so this third week of March, um, Horticultural Therapy Week, New Jersey, um, there's so many activities going on and many of which I am not part of because there are many other practicing horticultural therapists around New Jersey in different settings. Uh, but meanwhile, um, my company, Final Touch Plantscaping, um, I have partnered uh, over the years during Horticultural Therapy Week with so many wonderful partners. Well, this year, um, I have an incredible event, two uh, wonderful, three wonderful events. Number one, I am doing this podcast with two of my favorite people on the planet in New Jersey, honest to God. Well, me and um, who else? <laughs> oh, oh, Tom, sorry. <laughs> So, so, hey, guess what, guys? 
we're an event right now in this podcast, and what a blessed one it is to spread this wonderful message about not just gardening is good for you, but the therapeutic benefits of horticultural therapy. Well, thank you but for sharing that with us. Oh, absolutely. But this afternoon, um, I'm actually going to be um, going down to uh, Fernbrook Farms in Chesterfield, New Jersey. Um, and uh, Fernbrook has partnered with my company. And we are going, we have uh, about 20 people uh, who will be part of our a group of guests, including Congressman Andy Kim out of District 3. And Secretary Douglas Fisher, that's Secretary of Agriculture, um, his chief of staff, Christine Rusewitz, who will be making opening remarks. And we are going to engage um, 20 people and amazing individuals from students to Rutgers Cooperative Extension agents um, to uh, partake in a meaningful planting activity. Um, We're going to do a tractor tour as well. And um, I'm going to talk about horticultural therapy as we engage in a multi-sensory, five-sense experience. And as you said, Fran, you know, it's easy to forget about, you know, just stopping for a minute. Well, the folks who are there today, well, they're going to have no choice but to stop with me in the room and and go far away somewhere. (laughs) So so we have this wonderful event coming up this afternoon. Um, I have an article coming out. Um, I'm a guest columnist uh, with Gannett Publishing. It was a, a monthly columnist for them for, for many years. And um, I've written an article about horticultural therapy, which will run in New Jersey papers this week. So you'll Wonderful. see it. And Thursday, um, my longest running program at the Adult Day Center of Somerset County in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Um, we are going, uh, the New Jersey Nursery Landscape Association and I are actually uh, co-sponsoring the event. That I've been running that program. It's a day program for people on the spectrum of dementia with and without medical complications. But we are going to bring activity not just to my group called Horticultural Connections. They name themselves the Horticultural Connectors uh, for the past nine years. But the entire um, adult day center staff and um, the members who are going to get activity bags uh, to do a planting activity uh, with their caregivers at home. So there'll be uh, just under 100 people who will partake in uh, planting activities as part of our event at the Adult Day Center, um, whereby we will actually have um, a t- uh, Congressman Kane Jr. attending mm-hmm. as and Assemblyman Roy Fryman who is the chair of the Agriculture Committee. Yep. He um, he is actually uh, crafting ceremonial resolutions for both events uh, um, awesome. as, as in his role as the Ag Chair on behalf of the General Assembly. Wow. Yeah. Laura, where do you find the time? Yeah. <laughs> where do you, you – know I'm going to make – I think that my having a brain tumor, I'm rewired somehow, and so <laughs> – I just have this abundant amount of uh, energy that was installed into my brain. I have no control over it. It's just there. But remember, I have an off button, and and I, I when I'm off, I'm literally off. I just you'll just see my I just disappear somewhere in my eyes, and my eyes close, and I'm done. Well, we 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 thank you for your tireless oh, yeah. commitment and and yeah. what you do for for our listeners that that maybe. As part of celebration this week, that maybe feel that they don't have time for this. What do you have any small tips 
that you could give our oh, less, listeners yeah. on how they can celebrate this week or how they can maybe help connect with nature in a small way, even if they they're feeling stressed or that they don't have the time. Absolutely. So, so whether you, um, you know, wherever you live, whether you have a home, you have a small apartment, you're living in a group home, you're whatever your situation, I want to encourage you to do what I'll call as just a treasure hunt. But it's it's about a three minute treasure hunt. Uh, you, you deserve three minutes to do this. Um, but I don't care if it's longer um, or shorter. I just want you to get outside and, and, and go hunt for a nature treasure. Just go, go find something. I don't care what it is. It's a rock on the ground. Pick up that rock, hold it, um, feel its temperature. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it hot? Um, think about, you know, rocks are incredible because they they are the anchors in our life. When when everything is, is um, you know, we're getting tossed by the oceans out there of life, um, I, I literally hold on to a rock to remind me of, of stability. And um, so hold that rock or look at that tree branch with the bud that's just kind of unfurling and unfolding. And and maybe not just one bud, but maybe two buds. Snip the branch. OK, if your neighbor gets mad at you, tell your neighbor to come to me. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, but grab a hold of something is my point. Touch it, smell it, feel it. I tell you to taste it, but. I don't want to tell you to taste it because I don't want you to taste something that you shouldn't. But yeah. if it's, let's say, or go to your go to your grocery store, support your local farmers markets and, and local markets. You know, smell basil. Of course, if you do that, you're probably gonna have to buy it at that point because somebody's <laughs> gonna yell at you for you know smelling it and putting it back. But my point is, grab a hold of nature and embrace it. It will bring you a brain break as well. And that is a tried and true research outcome by a colleague of mine in Japan. And the the result on the frontal lobe during these brain breaks that you can take by holding nature or holding a plant or holding a seed, visit a local greenhouse, compare and contrast the air from where you just came to walking into your local greenhouse. That includes your big box stores too, guys, that have garden centers that are outdoors as well as indoors. So get you over to yourself, go cut some flowers, Get a daffodil, you know, whatever it is, just just grab a hold of it and you owe it to yourself to have that sensory experience. It will change you and it'll put you in the moment. I promise. That is wonderful advice. Thank you, Tom. That's kind of what you do when you look for sheds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just getting outside and I'm looking for something in particular, but I'm finding so many other things along the way. And I often forget what right. I'm actually out there doing. I, I like personally, I'm always trying to to notice a bird that maybe I hadn't noticed mm-hmm. before in my backyard. So I'm always just kind of looking and observing and saying, "All right, what am I seeing today that I haven't seen before?" Um, yeah, and yeah. It, and it, I'm going to tell you, you know, Fran and uh, Tom. On that note, you know, you said the word bird. I have to share the story, but it it will have an endless and a timeless meaning as part of our our closing. Last week, I'm sitting in my kitchen, at my kitchen table. I'm at the computer, just like I am with the two of you now in this podcast. And my daughter was home visiting, and we heard the loudest thud. But I saw, out of the corner of my eye, a female cardinal literally slammed right into my sliding glass door window. Well, she crashes to the ground, and she's, she's unconscious on the ground, just on the other side of the window. My two dogs are going nuts, hitting their paws against the glass, trying to grab this carnal. Thankfully, they couldn't. So anyway, I'm waiting a few minutes, I, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's not waking up. 
So I get some gloves. I get a little basket. I get a t- a, you know the the, the towel that the napkin that you use to put over warm bread that comes out of the oven. Yeah. I put that in the basket, and I go outside through another door. I'm on the other side of the glass. She's still unconscious. I'm I'm devastated. There's a female cardinal. I pick her up on my hands, you know, wearing the gloves. I put her in the basket, and I'm thinking about, oh, my God, where am I going to put this bird? I have this massive, massive pot, one of my accessible gardening containers. Um, And I put the basket in this massive pot that was in a sunny, exposed area till late in the day. She's still unconscious. I keep checking on her, going inside, going outside. And anyway... Um, 10 o'clock at night. Now it's freezing cold. It's misting heavily. And I go out there and I see she's awake and I, I'm talking to her and I, I take, I see that the, this cold mist is hitting her back. So I take that towel, that bread towel, and I start to put it over her back because I didn't like that she was exposed to the cold and the wet, right? She flies out of the basket and she lands on my deck railing and I'm talking to her. I'm still talking to her. I'm like, Oh my God, you're alive. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, okay. You're halfway there. I'm telling her it's pitch black. It's freezing. It's misting. And I'm out there. And I said, you can't stay here. You're going to get eaten. You can't, you have to fly. Home. Please fly. Please go. And I'm about eight feet from her guys. Cause I didn't want to scare her by getting too close. So I go inside and I come back into my kitchen. I look out the door. I turn the light on and I'm watching her. She flew away and she's in my backyard every day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Never lose hope and never underestimate the power of nature and its healing properties. That is a wonderful way to end this. Um, but we have to always ask – well, we have to do our ending. We always yeah, have to always ask. <laughs> we have to. We, I don't think we've ever not done it. Um, it's the simplest yet hardest question that we ask, and we always save it for last. And what is your favorite native plant? Does it have to be one? No. No. It could be many. Yeah. We, <laughs> we never we, limit we it. Te- say, we will, we typically say it's answer. one, but then we don't enforce that rule. <laughs> yeah. We never enforce okay, it. Okay. All right. So um, – I absolutely love viburnum. I love viburnum. Um, I love river birches, betula. Um, I work with these plants endlessly in my programs. You can't believe the way that they are used. Um, you know, uh, tree collages. People create nature collages. They, they grow their own trees on paper. Um, they use the bark from um, river birches as yeah. paper. Um, I use it for multi-sensory activities to look at all the colors, to hear the sounds that the bark makes as you're sorting through the layers. Um, uh, magnolia. I know that we don't have a lot of native magnolia, but the was it grand grandifolia. I hope I didn't mess that up. Um, did I get that right, Fran? It's uh, now I'm I'm questioning if it's grandiflora or grandifolia. I think it's grandifolia. I think it is too. And so magnolia. You can't believe the responses that magnolia leaves elicit in these programs as well um, because of the the, the, mm-hmm. the beautiful green and the shininess of the leaves and the hardiness of, of not just this particular magnolia, but 
but the other plants that I mentioned and their resilience. Um, a lot of metaphors with the use of native plants and the resilience of native material and the ability for people, no matter who they are, to identify with the word resilience and the word of being durable and the word of being flexible and adapting to your circumstances and managing your way through, um, no matter you're in drought or you're in flood, right? Um, and, and hardiness. And, um, and I absolutely love when you talk about um, perennials, um, Echinacea papyrae is, um, is timeless, Ligularia, uh, Baptisia, um, these particular perennials are, are not just staples in my own garden, uh, Calendula, um, Nasturtiums, oh, we do it Nasturtiums, guys, we got to do a podcast just on native <laughs> perennials and, and flowers, um, you know, I say, well, it's happy hour every day at every hour of the day when you're working with uh, the wonderful edibles, um, you know, and the things that you can do with them, um, non-alcoholic related, as well as happy hour. Oh, we like to cover the happy, the, the right, alcohol related right, ones. But, but happy hour when we talk about um, therapeutic horticulture. Um, but I, um, these plants, I, you know, over the years, um, I have learned, um, and it, it's a shout out to to your mission, Native, um, as well as just our role as stewards of the land. Um, and the value that native plants have um, in our daily lives. You know, we spend so much time and energy, um, labor time and energy, as well as dollars, you know, cost and and out of our pocket um, to beautify and, um, you know, create uh, landscape spaces, small, medium, and large, doesn't matter. Um, and we get frustrated because something is dying. Something is just, why isn't this growing? I have a problem with this. This, is, this isn't this is working. And pe- some people take it personally. Some people just never give up. And they keep spending more money, more money. But the plants just keep dying and they keep dying. You know, well, it's about, you know, really working with, the you know, the the environment and and the area of the country where your home is. And, um, and, and working with the environment, uh, meaning don't work against it work with it. And, and I really believe with all my being that when you are selecting and working with native plants, you, you are working with the, with the, with nature and the landscape, not against it. Um, and you find that it becomes the most rewarding experience um, because native plants can, can truly withstand a lot more than um, plants that are not, that are not indigenous um, to New Jersey or this part of the country. Um, and I can tell you it's been taking about 20, 25 years to to be able to make this statement uh, with all, all my heart. Wow. Well, what, what a great way to end. That's are all fantastic choices and, and such such uh, acute wisdom. And, and we really appreciate the meaningful conversation that we've been able to have well, with you today. Thank you guys so much. So do we need to let anybody know, like if they want to get a hold of me or um, have any questions, like what, we, what's, what's your protocol? We do actually. Yeah. Tom's going to mention your website on our outro. If you want to kick in Tom and yeah. then we can go from there. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Laura DePredo. For more information, you can visit her website, www.finaltouchplantscaping.com. Uh, Laura, do you have any other way, like ways that you want people to reach you, like uh, social media or uh, email, that kind of stuff? 
Absolutely. So I can be reached um, on LinkedIn um, and uh, my company is on LinkedIn. And I'll put, touch plant I'll put these on, uh, on the show notes also. Oh, great, Fran. Thank you. So LinkedIn, as well as Instagram, my company, Final Touch Planscaping, is also on Instagram. Um, I haven't been tweeting lately. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I'm, I really, I, you know what, if somebody wants to have a, you know, get a hold of me or they have a, a question, um, I definitely would encourage them to um, reach out to me. Uh, and of course, my email, my business email, which is laura at finaltouchplantscaping.com. Um, so, uh, those are the best ways to reach me. I always respond. Um, and, um, you know, I'm grateful, uh, to all, to you guys and, and to our listeners for even taking time in your day, um, to learn a little bit more about horticulture therapy, AKA social horticulture, therapeutic horticulture. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so we want to make sure we thank everyone for also uh, spending time with us today and listening to Native Plants Healthy uh, Planet presented by Pinelands Nursery. We would be remiss if we didn't thank the Egocentric Plastic Men for contributing our theme music. Uh, make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume music. You can follow us at Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet or – at Pinelands Nursery and also at YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget about the question and comment line. You can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment, and we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And uh, we can have more conversations about this uh, on the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. So uh, make sure you tune in there. So you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Uh, we don't keep any of the profits for that. I just saw we just sold a whole bunch of T-shirts the other day. Really? Um, That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, we don't keep oh, any I of the profits. Yeah. I, 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 count me in, guys. Yeah. I need T-shirts. Um, <laughs> hey, I would be remiss, too, if I didn't mention in our final close. Um, I, um, I start the public program monthly offerings. Um, horticultural therapy programming at Bowman's Hill Wildflower Preserve in Bucks County. Uh, programs will run from April through October, and the April 7th program is now online if you wish to register at Bowman's Hill Wildflower Preserve. And our first program will be um, teacup gardening using native plants from the preserve while sipping tea. That's oh, yeah. that sounds right up my that's alley. That's something because I I have a hunch that there are a handful. I don't know how many people, but there's a handful of people who skip through this part. <laughs> so I think we'll have to add that to the Facebook group as yeah. well because we love Bowman's Hill. We got to go up. They're there. actually oh, the last recipient. They're actually the <laughs> yeah. last recipient of the uh, donation of the T-shirt sales, and we still have the check sitting here yeah. that we have to go deliver. Yeah, so we don't keep any oh, of the wow. money from the T-shirt sales. We just take that and then give it to organizations we feel are doing really really good. Uh, either educational stuff, um, boots on the ground stuff, revolving around native plants. So that's our way of uh, we're not going to get rich selling t-shirts anyway. No, but no, no. we figured, well, we don't need the money, so let's give it to people that we think do. Yes, um, it would make a bigger impact. So uh, we also ask I'll send that you, you the uh, direct links so you could do that right perfect, away, Tom. Okay, perfect. awesome. So we also ask you. you to subscribe to our podcast, which is uh, again Native Plants Healthy Plant. You're already listening. You're probably already subscribed, but if you aren't. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you do a little blurb with that five-star review, uh, I will give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes. 
um, and praise you with with all kinds of flowery things. So, <laughs> so with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom, and I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Laura, thank you again for for joining thank us today. You guys. Uh, we have a buzz episode coming up next, so make sure you tune in. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.